We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, joined as always with birthday boy, avuncular Alex Gibson. How's it going, buddy? Hello, humanoids. Happy uh, happy Shark Week Eve to you and yours. Yeah. Well, not, enjoy- not joining us this week for Shark Week is our good buddy, Sean Nash. He's unfortunately come down with the Rona. So we wish Sean well. And uh, hope you do good and recover, and we'll get you we'll get you the ROH pay per view to make you feel better. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate he had a hell of a run, um, but uh, finally caught up with him his reckless lifestyle. Yeah, and you're due for it next. You haven't got it at all yet, so you're due. <laughs> I say that, but I'm going to get it probably two more times before the pandemic officially goes away. <laughs> I've already gotten it twice. I'm sure I'm due for a third. Alrighty, well, thank you for streaming this episode. Last week, we didn't have a show due to technical difficulties. This is the first time it's happened in the history of our show. We uh, just kind of assume that things are good with mastering. We don't have to immediately listen to it to make sure everything works. Uh, but what happened just from technical snafu, um, it sounded as if we were talking over each other. So while we were having this earnest conversation about Vince and the accusations I'm talking about zoo animals that I was afraid of, and it just did not seem appropriate to air, and we could not release that. So we do apologize for the absence, and thank you for continuing to support the show. If you'd like to continue to support the show even more, you can subscribe to us via iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you can also follow us on social at Wrestling Latest Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram, and you can also visit the website at Wrestling wrestlingelitist.com. In the past two weeks, we've had a slew of articles go up on the site. Alex has done an article about his inability to take pictures with wrestlers that he meets, most noticeably Zack Sabre Jr. And then uh, I did an article on Vince McMahon's power, the second in the series of uh, our commentary on the scandal and accusations that are going on with Vince. And then we also had a fun article that you put out the other day uh, involving your trip to Florida at an Mm -hmm. alligator sanctuary, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. So thanks for joining us. Uh, Alex, do you want to give anyone who's new listening to the show an idea of what the format is? Yeah, this feels dirty taking Sean's uh, spot here. But yeah, stealing his his spot, man. uh, We're going to be talking about our match of the week, moment of the week news of the week, cringe of the week, and then what we're anticipating moving forward. I think we'll start with a little bit of news. There's a lot of things going on. Fortunately, despite it being a news-heavy week, it's not heavy in the sense of a bunch of super depressing things. There's there's some things that aren't great going on still at, that we'll talk about. I was, gonna but, say, I was like, no, there's but, still some sad shit. <laughs> but but not quite as some of some of the few the past few weeks or even last week. I think uh, when we look at that lost episode, as much as I think that we we had some good conversation in there, there's also a part of me that's like, that was such a bad vibe at the start of it because we, it was just, we were covering Vince's stuff. Yeah. So, um, but let's jump right into it, Chris. Yeah. Okay. So what was your news item of the week, Alex? Yeah. So it's the, the move for WWE raw moving to uh, a TV 14 rating. So originally it was reported that that was going to happen like next week. I think that that's changing now there. It's up in the air on when it'll happen. But what's interesting to me, first of all, is that it's raw and not WWE television as a whole. So SmackDown yeah. may stay the more family friendly show, uh, which kind of makes sense with it being a Friday night show and, and everything like that. Network and TV. then seeing. Yeah. And then seeing what what that change actually means. I think that one of the big things that I've disliked about WWE really for the last 10 years has been the shows don't feel different. It feels like raw is just red SmackDown and 
and SmackDown is just blue and at one point pre-taped Raw. So I think if they actually make this pivot and make it a little bit different, that's that's actually a really intriguing thing. And I and I'm also intrigued on why why they're doing this. What now when they have been rumored to be you know, maybe selling to Disney or, you know, doing something like that, just trying to be that family entertainment. It's really interesting timing after how, when, do you know when the PG era started? Was it like, was it 2010? I want to say 2009. Yeah. No, no, I think it actually may have been later. It could have been even in 2012 or something. Really? So, so either way, you know, that that's, we're looking at at least a decade probably of the PG era. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to see this when we've had all these rumors of some, you know, potentially like selling to something like Disney, which would obviously want to keep this family friendly. So what were your thoughts when you saw that, Chris? It doesn't matter at all if they still have zooms and cuts every five seconds. <laughs> yeah. And you have an entrance, a backstage segment, um, our truth dancing, and then you have a match starting. So that doesn't do anything. If you can say shit and goddamn it a couple of times, like that doesn't change the content of the show. If it's a horrible show, you can still have a PG show or a PG movie and it's fantastic. We've all seen uh, the movie ET. That's pretty damn good. Arguably better than uh, anything by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. I was going to see if that was like triggering you off of like, that would like, don't you dare say all fictions. I'm not, not a, as good I, as honestly, <laughs> honestly, not a huge Tarantino guy. Neither am I, I actually. Just, yeah, I, I don't kinda. think he's awful, but I don't, he's not somebody I run to go to see whatever he's putting out. David Lynch did it better. So anyways, <laughs> um, no, but like my, my point was Pixar movies are great because there's yeah. great storytelling and great characters. And if you don't have good writing and good characters, it doesn't matter. And the one thing that WWE does really well is make everything irrelevant and not matter. Or Vince just changes his mind on a whim or on a whim on a whim and doesn't give a shit and forgets and just completely changes pivots and moves to something else. So yeah, you can swear and you can say shit and that's great, but does it really change anything? Now, with it being on cable, I think what's permissible on cable television is so radically different than like you said, when they went to PG a decade ago, you can say shit nonstop on a show and no one bats an eye because America is different. So I don't think it's a big deal one way or the other. I think it would be interesting if uh, speaking of Vince's defiance, if he just goes, okay, we're going to do attitude error again. Like that would be, I would think that would be suicidal from like a business end with their uh, partnerships that they have. But if he thinks that they're going to lose it anyways, it just wants to go out in a blaze of glory. Maybe that's a way to cater towards, I don't know, a new audience or hoping that it gives the 60 year olds that watch the show on a regular basis, something more, you know, jolly to enjoy. Maybe it's going to be more diva stuff and that's what mm-hmm. he wants to do. I, who the hell knows? Yeah, I think ultimately it probably won't change much, but I like the idea of it changing something. I like the idea of Raw and SmackDown feeling like different shows, almost having a little bit of like a competition with each other of, um, yeah. you know, which which show can be better despite the differences. It's almost, uh, it's a bad analogy, but in baseball, when you had, I mean, they just got rid of the designated hitter uh, or the, you know, pitchers hitting in the. NL. Uh, so now yeah. everybody has a designated hitter, but it was kind of always a cool thing to have a little bit of a difference and to have something that, you know, gives, gives the shows a little bit something different because there's so much wrestling right now that even if I was watching WWE, I think I'd have to choose between Raw and SmackDown because I can't, 
watch everything anyway. No, that's yeah, we'd be even bigger losers than what we are to be able to watch. That's yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. It's it's a lot. It's a it's a burden how much we watch wrestling as it is on our on the people that we care about. Yeah, I I had that feeling actually this week with the G1. I was like, good lord, this is a lot of wrestling in just a couple of days. So it's a huge amount. Um, okay, yeah, and so my news story of the week was, um, and we don't need to go into everything and rehash it, but uh, the Wall Street Journal guys that wrote the article had mentioned in an in a, uh, interview, I think, with Busted Open or Fightful, I forget the source, but they discussed that they were surprised by the lack of uh, commentary in the mainstream media about what was going on in the allegations. And they hinted that there's more to come because they'd reached out to so many people and they've only had so many folks that have responded. And Variety had done a piece on Vince. It looks like there's going to be more accusations coming out because now bigger uh, media outlets are going to be on this story as well. So this could mean that this maybe could be the end for Vince. Uh, again, we don't we don't have the show from last week, but we did talk about how just ethically, even if those accusations are completely unfounded and false, there's no reason why someone who's accused of that should be in creative and should be deciding uh, who's on the show and who's not when they've been accused of a casting couch. It's completely wrong and uh, says something about their human resources and compliance departments if that is going on. And it sounds like it is so. Not a good, uh, not a good look for Vince. It's not, and it's, it, it's like you said. I, I think the hey, he shouldn't be anywhere near creative, but he shouldn't be anywhere near, near TV. No, and yeah. once again, even if these are just, even if these are were completely unfounded, and it turns out that none of it's true, the fact that he's going out and essentially like saying, you know, a big fuck you to everybody, fuck him on <laughs> television, yeah, pal, um, you know, it's just. It's kind of weird and gross. And also, I agree with the the kind of sentiment of like, it's weird that nobody's picked it up and that it's just kind of been allowed to go by the wayside. It just kind of makes you wonder from a media standpoint, like what are like, what, who's protecting that? Like, is it just that nobody's interested because it's wrestling or is it like Vince has that much power in media or something? Like, it's just so weird when you see somebody like a Harvey Weinstein get taken down mm-hmm. from this and you see a lot of other names. I mean, there are even people that kind of, you know, just because of their association, people were really uh, at one point kind of going after like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon for all the work that they did with a Harvey Weinstein. Sure. And then Vince does this. There's, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where, you know, there's the, the joke that people make whenever like somebody doesn't surprise them. Like it's always the ones you most expect. And that's exactly yeah. what Vince is. This is there's there's women who have claimed to have been raped by him in the 90s and that and they were claiming that back in the 90s it's not like this is a new allegation from those individuals there's women now in the 2000s that are claiming at least some sort of workplace uh you know coercion incidents yeah. yeah and and then even in the 2010s like there is a pattern of behavior and there's just a lack of any desire to make it a story which is odd to me there has to be more behind that yeah, it's either going to be one or two things. It's going to be the mainstream media. Um, and I don't mean to use that and say that in like a mega sense of viewing them as this conglomerate evil. I'm just saying mainstream press and outlets in general. They either go, com- they just completely rip them a new one like they did with the steroid scandals in the 90s and with Chris Benoit, or they go, eh, it's just wrestling, that shit happens. Like, it's weird to think that like Owen Hart died in the ring 
mid mid show and they didn't stop the show and say like hey, this is a crime scene like they just like it's it's wrestling whatever like it's amazing yeah. any other entity you would totally stop but just because it's wrestling well whatever so it'll be interesting to see what happens i imagine that if more mainstream press um is attached to this and is looking into it and trying to find claims that maybe it'll get people to think okay you're not in this bubble you don't have to be afraid and you can speak up but who knows what's going to happen, but it looks like there's going to be um, certainly a part three and a part four to this story as it unfolds in a very crazy year for the McMahon family in 2022. Okay, let's move on to what you thought was the match of the week. Alex, what was your match of the week? Well, it was a match that the, the biggest complaint I have is who won. Uh, but this thing, <laughs> it was the uh, the tag team triple threat match. So it was Young Bucks versus Hobbs and Starks versus Swerve and Lee. I love Swerve and Lee, but not quite as much as I love Hobbs and Starks. This match belonged. I, it belonged on Miley Cyrus's fourth album because it was a banger. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Um, there was I rewatched it actually about an hour or two ago, and I was surprised that I didn't notice it in the first time I watched it. But it actually, if you watch the whole thing, feels like a showcase of Swerve and Lee. Like there's some spots in there that you're like, that was a hundred percent. I should have known that they were going to win based off of some of that stuff with Keith Lee, both he twice, he caught a young buck in like uh, the one time on the tope into a power bomb and then on the outside. And then also when he countered the uh, Meltzer driver into yeah. him and him and uh, swerves uh, kind of double, double hit spot. Um, the, the pounce that he hit on Ricky Starks right before the oh finish. Oh my God. Um, seeing, seeing Keith Lee hit a tope, which we've seen before in person, but every time it amazes me when we see him do that, he's just freakishly athletic for his size. Uh, honestly, I, I really can't complain about the, them getting the victory. It's literally just because Starks and Hobbs are like my favorite kind of two pairing. Yeah. Two. Yeah. They're my favorite two right now. And I think it was kind of cool. If you look at that match, it was kind of three different types of groups. You have the young bucks who are the co-founders of AEW have, you know, were kind of the foundation of what we're watching there. You have Swerve and Lee who are two guys that were signed by WWE kind of right in that time that AEW was starting up because WWE was picking up everybody and then they got overlooked and eventually let go. And then you had Starks and Hobbs who were two guys that were relatively obscure came on during the pandemic era and then kind of cemented themselves as you know, potential future stars of AEW. So yeah. I thought that that was kind of a cool dynamic too. Um, you know, Starks hitting that, you know, his uh, his walk across the ropes into a cutter, that was insane. Um, you know, the finish was really cool. My only complaint really about the match from a content standpoint, I thought that whole bit with the title when Rick Knox got knocked out and it was kind of like, they're Is he going to turn on him? Somebody. Yeah. Or, yeah. And that, well, and they are all going to hit each other with the title, too. Like, yeah. that was unnecessary. That felt like a PWG tag team triple threat match. I enjoyed it. Uh, I believe we ended up putting that, agreeing at four and a half stars. What were your Correct. thoughts yep. on it? I, I love this match. And I was uh, all the more impressive if you consider how cold it was going into it. Yeah. Um, team Taz and Keith Lee and Swerve had a thing going on, but the young bucks totally interjected themselves, but yeah. it made sense in storyline of like, you're arrogant and you think that you're better than everyone and that you're the best tag team. So of course you put yourself in this um, vulnerable position and then you lose. Um, so I was very impressed with how, 
cold the match could have been coming into it. And it felt like a classic. And we've also had a lot of uh, three-way uh, tag team matches. So it also felt like, okay, we've seen this a little bit before, but then they just came out with another level uh mm-hmm. swerve and like you mentioned swerve getting a spotlight with nick jackson doing their tumbling not to do a jim Cornette, but doing their tumbling act and uh diving inside of the ring and outside of the ring it looked fantastic my other criticism but i thought was great in hindsight is like the young bucks they sure know how to kick out of everything and like nick jackson has to get stabbed and shot and murdered before he's able to uh you know look look and look bad and show ass so yeah. he gets hit with the doomsday device like cutter off the top rope by ricky starks and there's not a breakup to break up the pin he just kicks out at two which was like yeah. god fuck them but it works in a meta way because you want to see them lose the title and you want to see them get beat and and, and and lose so it, it is like it's yeah it's whatever but it does make sense and it's a clever thing to get you more sucked in without realizing you're getting sucked in and like they did with um uh lucha bros before they know when to put someone over and they did it with ftr as well actually right after the match with the briscoes they know when to lose when it's going to create a big memorable moment and this was a huge moment for keith lee and swerve they looked great in their victory Yes, the thing with Swerve in the title, eh, but it kind of pays off that storyline a little bit of like, okay, are they going to turn on each other? Swerve made a point to no, I'm not going to do that. And maybe you pay it off later. That's how they break up in the end is he finds reasons to turn on Keith Lee. But the two of them look like massive stars. And mm-hmm. uh, Sam feels actually beat on, on Deadspin beat me to even writing this article because I was going to write it on the weekend, but like, how do you fuck up Keith Lee and Swerve? Like, why would you release these guys? Why would you let them go to AEW and look at how over they are? It's incredible. I said before that Keith Lee is unfuck up a bill and look at this. Look at where we're at. Yeah, I ate the trash this weekend and got in an argument with somebody online about uh, WWE mishandling people, not on yeah. our Wrestling Elitist account, but uh, it it's crazy that anybody can say, cause I, I get tired of the criticism that AEW signs too many WWE guys. When, if you actually look at the breakdown, they haven't signed that many, uh, they signed independent guys talent. Are, yeah. And a lot of their guys are, a lot of their guys are, you know, people who have become stars in their time since joining AEW weren't stars, whether they're in WWE or not. Right. Um, and, and really Keith Lee and, and, uh, swerve, I think are two guys, that, like I said, at the top of this, this segment, I think that if they were free agents at the time that AEW is actually truly signing people to contracts, they would have been there. It was just yeah. timing wise. I think a, I think WWE knew that this was coming. Cause I think mm-hmm. I want to say, I want to say Keith signed in like June or July um, of, you know, and then all out was in yeah. August mm-hmm. and then, and then in January they announced AEW. So, you know, it was like a timing, it was a timing thing. And so I just get really, I get that's like the one thing that works me up. You could troll the hell out of me by talking about how WWE is over or AEW is over relying on WWE talent. If if AEW only signed WWE talent that was that was released, but they could make them look like stars the way that they have with Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, who have only been here since February, then you know what that be my guest because yeah. those two have been awesome. There have been rumors that, you know, Warner sees potential and swerve beyond wrestling as kind of like a crossover star. 100% see it. He's so fucking oh, cool. Oh, yeah. 
and I can't wait to see every week what it is he's going to do. You yeah. know, like I said, I I love Starks and Hobbs, but these two probably from like a like a tag team and like making two stars. I think you're going to make two true stars out of this tag team when there is a breakup, mm-hmm. and and you're going to still be able to do stuff with you know Team Taz later down the line. So, um, yeah, it's just I I think that that was a cool match just from the aspect of like the Bucks passing the torch really to two teams there. Yeah. And that really great moment at the end of the match with Keith Lee emotional talking about the win, who he dedicated it to why it matters to him. Again, that's the thing that's been the easiest criticism of wrestling in the past 30 years. I would say even, even before um, WCW went out of business, the title changes just never mattered. And yes, there's an over-reliance on so many titles in AEW right now. But on this title change, it made it feel like it mattered. And it was a big deal. And it was a special moment. And it felt great. Like you wanted to see this guy do well. And you're rooting for him. And he's a great talker and communicator. Like, I don't know how you don't watch that and go like, oh, that's really fucking cool. I want to be part of that. Or I really like that. that that's a lot of fun. You, you yeah. have to be heartless or just, I don't know what your makeup is as a fan to not go. Yeah. I kind of like that. Um, <laughs> and what's great too, is like, you can have uh, Starks and Hobbs win at all out. You can do it yeah. then. And that's a Chicago's more of a heel centric crowd. It'll go over huge because they want to get the fans want to see those two get their moment too. Yeah. And also you've got ring of honor, hopefully starting up soon. And, and maybe you go there because, you know, Starks, I think, is ready for is really ready for the prime time, but I'm not sure that Hobbs is because Hobbs was uh, kind of plucked out of true obscurity. Whereas, you know, Starks has been on the Indies, was with NWA for a while. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's what maybe you let them go there and be dominant once this FTR Briscoe stuff is done. Like, yeah, they're they're going to get their time. Um, I'm just impatient because they're kind of my favorite thing going right now. Uh, and Hobbs looks like a monster. Like his his arms are huge, and he's uh, oh my god. Uh, complete physical specimen uh so and and too like punk picked him out to have his like second match like there's a reason why that happened there's a lot of potential in him and he's going to be a huge star too it's just a matter of when i look forward to hobbs versus wardlow i don't i don't want that i don't want that in the immediate future because i want them both to be like in their prime peak yeah but man that'll be that'll be a fun match yeah, that'll be a revolution pay-per-view yeah. headliner, you know, in two years from now, whatever. It'll totally yep. work then. All right, moving on. Let's go into what we thought was our uh, moment of the week. Alex. Well, accidental segue by me right there. Uh, nice, the, Wardlow, <laughs> the, the Wardlow and Orange Cassidy match. So it, there was nothing spectacular about the match. But what I like about it is that it makes Wardlow human again. He finally kind of had some damage done to him. He didn't do a powerbomb sympathy. Sympathy, symphony, uh, <laughs> and uh, and and you just got to see, you know, obviously Orange Cassidy, much smaller than him, had to be resourceful. They even said in the promo beforehand, "How are we going to do this? We're going to cheat." And you saw best friends get kicked out of the match chainsaw. early on. You saw, <laughs> yeah, Chuck Taylor brings out a chainsaw. Uh, Dan Housen was going to curse Wardlow, but then didn't because he was afraid of him. I just. I don't love whenever there's a, a giant that debuts, like this was why I wasn't super pumped about Satnam Singh was like, I don't like the big squash giant guys that much. And I, while I enjoyed the buildup of Wardlow to MJF, I've 
kind of always been worried about what that meant for Wardlow moving forward, because if he can beat 20 security guards, which obviously I know they're not trained wrestlers and all of that thing, but he beat 20 people at once, then how does an Orange Cassidy stand a chance? How does anybody stand a chance? So for me, it's the moment of the week because it kind of makes Wardlow interesting again as he moves forward and as he starts to have challengers for the TNT title that aren't uh, monsters or anything like that. Well, and he got to have a match right away and he didn't have um, three weeks before he defended the title and they, they're not doing silly things with him every week to protect him. Cause yeah. that's what I was afraid of is they were going to overthink it so hard where every week they'd have some sort of 1998 Austin kind of thing where he has some ridiculous thing where he has to fight 20 security guards or crash cars or do something silly. And he's not just wrestling and defending the title, which is what's going to get him the most over. Exactly. It actually, I, I was going to talk about it a little bit in the cringe, but I'll just, I'll, I'll say it really quickly right yeah. now. That's the problem that you're seeing with Jade Cargill. I love Jade Cargill. I think that she's yes. interest, interesting to watch. She's got such a unique look and she's improving but you're getting to a point now where you're signing really talented uh, mm-hmm. people to the roster that, you know, you look at Athena and even Chris Statlander, who's been there for a while, but has really built herself up in her time there. And now you have to kind of do things to make them look foolish at times or just not make them look as strong because you need her to continue to look strong because yeah. you're not ready for her to lose. And I'm glad that they're not making that same mistake with Wardlow. Yeah. And they had some good shit just at the start of the match with <laughs> ripping his pockets out and then Orange Cassidy putting his like straps his back, straps his back sh- up. Oh, God, like there's times I've, I mentioned I'm not the biggest fan of him and I don't like comedy and wrestling, but there's times when he makes me die laughing and it's like, oh, get over yourself. And it's fun. And so, again, it's kind of like that. um the moment with Keith Lee, it's like, if you don't find a little bit of fun in this or you can't smile a little bit, you're just being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think orange Cassidy, all three of us have a similar opinion where it's just, he can be overkill for us at times, but he actually is, he understands his character very well. Oh yeah. And I'm very excited for when he goes heel down the line. I oh think that's, I, he's going to be my favorite wrestler when he's a heel. If he's Andy from what hot American summer and just that guy, <laughs> holy shit. Him not caring is going to be really, really funny, but oh yeah. nevertheless, we move on. Uh, my moment of the week was the stare down between sting and Malachi black on rampage. Um, I don't know if these two are going to partner up, like as, as in partner uh, against each other in a feud and do that and do a run uh, with a lot of guys down. This is a good opportunity for Malachi black uh, to be the focus. We speculated maybe he'll fight Moxley uh, after Brody King and Moxley had that feud. Now he's talking about Miro. So I don't know what they're going to do with Malachi black, but him and sting together is a great program. And that's someone that he can beat and look great over and get a push to the main event level. And you got a credible athlete to go up against a punk or a Moxley uh, when they want to pull that trigger. If they, if, if punk isn't healthy enough for all out, he's the perfect uh, guy to go against Moxley. I would think. Uh, yeah, I a hundred percent agree that he is somebody that it's time to build him up. We, we talked about earlier that, you know, it's, it's only been since February that Keith Lee and Swerve joined Malachi is coming up 
I think he's actually passed a he's year passed now. A year. I think, I think last year. year it was right around. I think it was like the first or second week of July last year that he joined. Yeah. So it's it's time, and, and I feel the same way about Andrade. It's like I'm glad that they didn't come in and get like rushed to the main title or anything like that. But now it's time to see these guys be the stars that they felt like they were going to be when they joined AEW. Mm-hmm. And uh, absolutely, I think Malachi Black and Sting. I think that that's actually a good. I don't want to say a placeholder feud, but it is a good kind of route for Malachi to take right now until it's time for him to face a Moxley or, or a CM Punk, whoever it ends up being. I want to see Malachi black in a, in a world title program, you know, by the end of the year. And if, if, if a combination of a sting and then Miro feud is what gets us there, I'm all about it. Yeah. I can't wait to see it. And I just love the moment of two generations of spooky guys with uh, face paint, just, staring down at each other. It was really cool to see. I like the double fake out they did. And uh, is it going to be a classic match? No, but fuck it. Who needs it to be a classic match? It can just be a good storyline and that'll be good enough. And Sting is very game on this run. And I think one thing that's interesting for this is like Sting, obviously he's done very well in the matches he's had and they've done a great job of highlighting where he, you know, where he could be used and everything. But Malachi's offense and the way that he wrestles actually lends itself well. He doesn't do a whole lot of like slams and those things. He's very much, you know, he utilizes martial Kicks arts and, and yeah. things like that. So I think that that's also a way that you can have Sting protected a little bit in the ring because he's, what is he, 63, 64? 62. Yeah. So it's Maybe also a older, style. Know, it's yeah. also a style that will be a little bit safer for him. If he were to have a one-on-one match. Yeah. He doesn't have to take five power bombs or something like that. He's not doing the power bomb symphony or something like that, where it's just risky. Um, And sting needs to lose. He needs to put guys over and that's okay. And it's not going to diminish his stardom. All right. Let's go into what your cringe of the week is, Alex. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The company that sucks at delivering t-shirts is now delivering pizzas, uh, (laughs) pro wrestling tees. (laughs) Uh, and this might have been like a week or two old. I just happened to just see it. But Pro Wrestling Tees is doing one of those cloud kitchen idea things where now they have powerbomb pizza. If you looked at the menu, it's the least creative thing in the world. It's like Randy Macho Man Savage's Savage Sausage Pizza and like stuff like that. Or there's um, <laughs> there's Brutus the Barber Cheesecake. And let me tell you, I'm a cheesecake connoisseur. Uh, and I love a plain cheesecake. Somehow this picture of this cheesecake pissed me off. Like a ge- genuinely, it's just a plain cheesecake, but the picture isn't good. <laughs> it, it's just a small little piece. And also it's so non-creative. Like it's just a clear money grab. I hate pro wrestling tees. I, I hate them because <laughs> I can't buy any wrestling t-shirts because everybody that I want, it would come from PWTs. And I just refuse after, uh, after last year when they had yeah. their whole uh you know debacle data of, breach yeah the data breach where they then didn't even really apologize for it which once again like literally all they had to do was just fall on the sword and then i'd be like okay well that's annoying i'll just make sure i'm checking my bank account all the time after i order from you mm-hmm. but now it's just no there's like seven ftr shirts that i want right now and i have zero of them <laughs> because of them so my cringe of the week is the fact that a company that can't deliver you a t-shirt within a month period now wants to do it with food uh, I hope you order it three weeks before you're hungry. Well, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of egg on your face when you have some rowdy rotty peppers. 
Is that one of them? Or no, did you come up with that? That's just a shitty derp joke I made right now. Uh, <laughs> you know they're going to have The thing them. is, is that was so spot on. Like that. Yeah. I know there was a Latino Heat Wings, Eddie Guerrero's Ugh. Latino Heat Wings. Hillbilly Slim Jims. <laughs> uh, King Kong bun cake. Okay, now it just got bad. Sorry. <laughs> This is just shitty. Okay, so speaking of my shitty stuff, uh, and you touched on it a little bit already, but the baddies making uh, Statlander and Athena look like jabronis uh, on the show this week. I Man, love these two. I think they have all the potential in the world, and I thought they could have been 1A, 1B for who was going to maybe give Jade her first credible loss. Um, And Athena came in really hot, and it's been the second time or third time in a row where they've had a total beatdown and they just look bad. Uh, yeah. and it's just, it's, it's a missed opportunity on a couple different levels. So first you bring Athena over and even if her, the only reason you brought her over is just to have her job to Jade, make her look stronger before she jobs to Jade then. Yeah. Like if you're going to feed her to Jade, that's fine. That that's cool. It works like stone cold. Steve Austin was, a machine and you just feed monsters to him. Same with Hogan. You can do the same thing with Jade, but make Athena look good before you do it. Like she just looked like a goof. And then you're also making the story seem like the bigger deal is Layla gray being a quasi baddie. And if Jade doesn't care about Layla gray, why do we care? Exactly. And I think, you know, I, I touched on it earlier, so I won't rehash all of that, but I think, you just said it too with with Athena, especially right now. You are looking at somebody who coming in seemed like a very credible threat to Jade. Now, if they were to make if they were to announce this match to, on Wednesday night dynamite this week and say this is the all out match, I'm not I'm currently not impressed by that because A, I don't think she can win, and B, if she does, it seems like a really bad waste of Jade's first loss yeah. because of the way that she's looked. My my one theory, which I don't even, I'm not giving them an excuse if this is the case, but there's a part of me that wonders if they're in a little bit of a holding pattern right now to see what the deal is with Sasha Banks. Yep. I, I, they, I thought the same thing. Which which I don't think is fair to Chris Statlander and Athena if that is the case, um, but it, it kind of feels like that might be it. And they're, you know, they want, they want her to come in and just, you know, be an open challenge or something like that. Um, but I, I think that Athena was, would have been, if you would have done this right, she would have been the perfect person to dethrone Jade and then have a really good run to give the, to give that TBS title a chance to have somebody who's truly, a, a, an impressive worker, not mm-hmm. to say that Jade isn't talented. She's just a great uh, star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's been on her for, you know, how many, uh, basically what are we seven months now? Yeah. She was. She has been undefeated for quite some time. Let's let somebody else. Let's get somebody get that win, and you know, make let's, another let's star. Make that, yeah, and let's make that title a little bit more relevant because right now it does feel a little bit useless. Although it's a beautiful title, yeah, it's a trophy right now. Uh, and I think they have a missed opportunity too with how over Statlander was after that match with I think it was what Ruby Soho that she uh, yep. job to in the Owen. Yeah, uh, when people the, booed. The crowd was really into Chris Statlander. And there's uh, the one thing that's a very valid criticism of AEW right now is their women's division does not feel any differently than WWE's. And it doesn't feel like it's an alternative. And it is underperforming to the fans' expectations. I think that's not hyperbole or not uh, 
blanket statement. I don't think it's really giving fans something different. And you have so much potential with all these different characters. Fans are telling you what they want. That that could have been a, I'm going to say it, a Daniel Bryan moment because of his old character. See, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not breaking the rules there. Yeah, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. And I think especially because Chris Statlander was already, people liked her before her injury. And then the fact that she came back, though, and lost that goofy alien gimmick, which never really, it was basically like, hey, I'm a person who paints my face like I'm an alien or like pretends that I think I'm an alien rather than it being like an alien. (laughs) So when she lost that, that was like the one negative that I feel like she really had. She because she can work. Um, she's, she's like, she's got like a, you know, she's fairly built too. So like when you look at it from like a Jade, she's huge. Yeah. Yeah. For when you look at a, like Jade, you know, her size and everything like that, Chris Tyler doesn't look tiny next to her no. or anything like that. So it's not, it's I think, not Rio going against Jade. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that, you know, you're right too. Like, you know, one of the things that I will a hundred percent agree with WWE fans is honestly, I would even say that WWE kind of has a better women's division in terms of the way that they treat them. If you, especially if you look at NXT, they've got some intriguing things that go on. I don't watch too much, but I still see like highlights and everything. And a lot of like, yeah, the main roster doesn't really get a whole lot of attention to it, but NXT sometimes has some really good things going on in the women's division. And sometimes it almost feels like, does Tony just not care, but he feels like he has to do something with that. You know, like that's where you start to question because how is he so bad at booking the women's division? but yeah. so good at booking other things. And uh, even, you know, there was talk that Kenny was going to be running the the women's side. And and I don't think that that's really happening right now, probably because of his video game. rehab stuff. Yeah. But man, would I love to just at this point, like make stardom the women's wrestling arm of AEW rather than Tony trying to do it. Like just basically let stardom's booker book that and go from there. Yeah. And it's almost like new Japan where you just have separate, companies yeah um yeah it's not a bad thought okay now before we go into anticipation there's a couple of other topics we just wanted to touch on uh chief among them is the uh, g1 so it's the best tournament of the year this is a highlight for us as fans every summer it hasn't been as exciting obviously with the pandemic and just kind of the roster being a little bit stale but this was a fun two days of shows. Uh, so I'll ask you, Alex, what was uh, the thing that stood out to you so far about the tournament? Yeah, I think it, I think first of all, I like, I like the new block system um, with the yeah. four blocks instead yeah. of two blocks. I like that they're changing things rather than just keeping it. Cause as you said, it's they gotten have to. stale. It's stale. It's gotten stale a little bit. Uh, I wish that they would really cut down on the, and I know why they don't because they need to give people their full show, but cut down still more on the, multi-man matches leading up to the G1 matches. Like I, I just don't need them. Uh, yeah. But I would say that, you know, when I was watching yesterday, it was kind of shocking. Cause I, I honestly haven't watched a whole lot of new Japan uh, other than like forbidden door and all of that stuff, or, you know, some strong, it's still weird watching wrestling matches that are happening in Japan because they, they're still, they still have their rules about cheering. So it's yeah. kind of like that eerie feeling of the pandemic era. Um, but I think it's been good so far. My match, my favorite match so far has been, uh, Kenta versus Zack Sabre Jr. I think that that had a really interesting finish and kind of makes me wonder what that means for, can I spoil, I'm just going to spoil it. So if you haven't watched and you want to watch, um, 
I guess mute it right now. It's uh, free. But, Fucking watch it. Come on. Just yeah, go to watch the website. It. Okay, yeah, watch it. Uh, it Kenta losing, but him losing because he was too cocky mm-hmm. actually has me kind of thinking that maybe he's going to end up winning at least his block, if not winning the G1, because just mm. the fact that, that, that he had Zach beat clean, but then just picks his head up and then, you know, so he doesn't get the pin makes me feel like he actually has a shot, which I did not go into this tournament thinking was the case. Yeah. And, you know, and they did the, um, JR gorilla monsoon accidental burial of talking about, Oh yeah, he just couldn't really do it. in WWE he really couldn't make it. He's kind of floundered <laughs> or he's always been yeah. passed up. They did kind of do the weird sort of burial of him. And I don't, they usually don't make mistakes like that. So I think that's a good theory. I love just that Zack Sabre jr. Is so protected in that. Like, yeah, if you stand in the wrong part of the ring, you're fucked. Like it's just <laughs> such a good character to have of like, yeah, if you get too close, that's it. And you'll tap out no matter what body part it is. He'll just grab a hold and you're done. And I, God, he's yeah. such a strong character. That's so credible. Um, I agree. Uh, that was my match of the two nights so far. I, that was the only match I had at four stars. Uh, you can check out our star ratings, by the way, at wrestling We'll be posting um, every night after uh, the G one with latest updated um, uh, ranking scoring and star ratings as well. Um, Everything was three stars for me for the most part, besides the Yano shit, you know, Jonah, of course, that's going to be one star. Um, but it was, it was good. I mean, nothing was great. It was Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr. was very good. Um, but yeah, I liked it so far. I think uh, Osprey may win. That's my prediction um, that he'll get it. I don't know how they would do him versus Jay White as the main event, but maybe they turn him face. I don't know. That could be something uh, you never know. They talked a lot about him getting screwed over and he's not getting his U S title back anytime soon, even though it's his, which is weird. And they're both in the same building. Like just fucking grab it. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like they're overthinking the whole U S (laughs) title. Just just, dude, just take it. Like it's right there. Um, But Hey, nevertheless, uh, it's been a good G one so far. The next night looks kind of, but the only thing that looks good is Goto and Naito. Um, But beyond that, everything looks like, I think there's a folly match and a Chase Owens match, so it's not a lot of Ugh. not a lot of great shit coming up the next night. But there'll be good I, stuff later yeah. on. I will say uh, I, I enjoyed seeing El Fantasmo as the as a heavyweight right now. He's yeah, he's oh, he did great, pretty good so far. That was a great finish too. The fact that uh, he was just in the wrong position and over overdid it a little bit, and that was enough for Osprey to hit the um, hidden blade. Yeah, great absolutely. finish and so violent and aggressive. It was like, God damn, it's so good. Okay, speaking of good matches, we didn't talk about it yet, but let's just talk about it briefly. Mox and Takeshita, uh, that was a four and a quarter star match, I would have to say. I think that's what we ranked it on the website. I thought that was a classic. Um, it would have been the match of the night if it wasn't for the triple threat tag team match. Anything that stood out to you about that match uh, at all? You know, I, I think it was once again where I actually kind of thought that there was a chance that Takeshita could win it because they specifically said that it wasn't a title match, right? So... Uh, I thought maybe like maybe this is the time he gets it, and you know he looked good once again. I think you know I I think you and I you actually put in our notes, which I'm sure you're going to ask me like does does he join the the Blackpool Combat Club type of well, thing? What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I I think that he should or could, but uh, I, I 
think if they were going to add another person, I would actually, I would want it to be a female at this point. I think that they've got enough of a core now that you have Claudio. If you didn't add Claudio, then sure. Yeah, he'd be in. But I don't, th- I don't think you need another. But I do think Takeshita, I just want to say like after watching that match, I'm honestly kind of tired of seeing him face big names and lose. Like I, I, that, like that's kind of my biggest takeaway from that match is like, I don't want to see any more of these like, Almost feels like a dream match, even though it's not quite a dream match because Takeshi is still very, you know, young in his career and is still not quite a star. Um, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm over those. I need him to get some meaningful wins or join a stable, do something because it's just getting to the point where I, I just, I don't want to tune in just to see him lose every week type of a thing. Or like, there's not a good enough story around his losses, I guess. Uh, for me to be to be wanting to see this continue. Yeah, my guess is that he'll be on the pay-per-view Saturday and he'll go over like a Matt Seidel or a Lee Moriarty. Yeah, that could be for sure. You know, like I'd rather it be Lee, but because then it, you know, erases all doubt if it's him versus Seidel. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's like, oh shit, he's getting buried then if he loses to him. No offense, Matt Seidel. Okay, Uh, other things to go into and then we'll wrap up. Uh, Ric Flair's last match. Yeah, we uh, just before we jumped on, let me pull it up to make sure that I don't uh, spread uh, any incorrect news here. So Ric Flair's last match has officially been announced. Karen Angle. It is. Oh. <laughs> well, close. Uh, it is Ric Flair and Andrade El Idolo, who is his, uh, I almost said nephew, his son-in-law, facing Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. I think one of my favorite parts about this match is the fact that uh, earlier in the morning, uh, Ric Flair (laughs) tweeted that he was coming for somebody from WWE Raw, and that person is Jeff Jarrett, of all people. (laughs) That is – that's hilarious to me. I think uh, Jay Lethal facing facing him in that final match, I love that. Everybody's seen that viral video of the the woo-off that they had back in the TNA days. I've actually been at, I was at a Red Wings game one time and like they play that in like the third period to get people hype. Oh, really? Uh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, I guess I'm mostly okay with this match. I'm, I'm not surprised that Andrade and Jay Lethal are involved, but I would not in a million of years have guessed that, uh, Jeff Jarrett was the, uh, the WWE raw, uh, representative. Yeah. I, I jokingly said to you guys, I can't wait to see Ric Flair versus Ricochet. Uh, I thought that that would have had more of a possibility than Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> yeah. Who would have thought Jeff Jarrett would be such the big star that he apparently is. He's going to be at SummerSlam too. And who knows? Maybe he wins the G1. Comes in will, as a replacement. Uh, here's the real question though. Will Will Ric Flair take a guitar shot to the head? I'm sure he will, and I'm sure he'll I bleed actually, buckets. I actually was, as soon as I started asking that, I was like, let me actually change that. How many guitar shots will yeah, it take? Yeah, he's got to blade somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah, Exploding I mean, guitar match. Hopefully this is his last match. I mean, I'm a little nervous for him in that, like, the fact that it's a tag match would, I don't know, maybe he doesn't have the cardio or ability to do it. But I don't know, maybe he's just trying to make it more of an attraction, or he wants to do something with Andrade. I don't know. I hope he's healthy and he doesn't get hurt or have some cardiac issue in the ring. Cause he's, he seems like a guy who was destined to like, I want to die in the ring. Like I actually want to die in the ring. And it's like, I hope you don't get that opportunity. So I hope this is his last match and that's it. 
I hope it truly is. And it's almost like when you're billing, because I think they're they're doing this now. They moved it. It was originally in like a three to four thousand person uh, spot. Did now it's really? like a ten thousand. Shit. It's like a nine or ten thousand seat venue. Um, and my worry is Rick's going to see what that payday equals, and uh, he's going to have. Yep. He is going to have a lot of last matches. Yeah. Uh, I really wish, like, when you bill something as the last match, you would have to, like, hold yeah. to do that for more reasons than than I can count. But especially because uh, that guy, that guy's never saw a payday he didn't like. No, and he's got a lot of financial problems. If you want to read a really depressing read about him, go on. I think it was on the Ringer, or it may have been on Grandstand. Um, just his financial woes and just some of the stuff with his like debt company and real estate or mortgage company is just like holy shit dude just some of the financial stuff he really is like mickey rourke's wrestler they get just so many similarities <laughs> to him it's just kind of brutal but huge part of my childhood fucking loved him as a you know as a kid and so many great matches but he needs to wrap it up okay uh one last question then we'll go into what we're looking forward to uh do you have any um care or thoughts about AEW not going to a different venue for all out the only reason i do is because it's weird that they took so long to announce yeah so the longer they went the more it felt like okay this is going to be changing and also i think that now it's clear that all out is just always going to be it it was kind of clear before Mm -hmm. but once they once Forbidden Door was in Chicago. I thought, okay, maybe this is their their way of getting out of that. They're going to give Chicago Forbidden Door, and then they're going to start moving all out. When you only have four pay-per-views a year, and three of them are in static locations, so All Out and Revolution are both Chicago pay-per-views, apparently, and then Double or Nothing in Vegas, that leaves one pay-per-view, you know, and, and give or take now Forbidden Door potentially, but, you know, go elsewhere. Like, like give some other sh- cities, you know, maybe Detroit, for Detroit example. Even. Yeah. It's a great, yeah. City. Give, give them a chance. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just don't love, I don't love that. They keep going to Chicago. It feels like almost like a fear. Like what if we don't do as well yeah. going somewhere else? What if we can't sell out that whole week going somewhere else? So I was actually a little bit surprised that the pay-per-view is not happening at the United center. That tells me that Punk's probably not going to be there for it, though. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I I do respect the fact that they had that quasi gentleman's agreement to always do it in the Sears Now or anywhere the fuck it's called. But I think, but by like like that you said though, the fact that they didn't book announce that it was going to be in that arena, maybe those rumors about it being in Sky Dome or Toronto were true. But who knows? Maybe just with the pandemic and travel, it just wasn't feasible at this time. Well, yeah, if you, I don't know how much baseball you pay attention to, but uh, I think the Royals, like a week or two ago, went to Toronto for a series and they had like 15 players that were ineligible to travel with the team because they are unvaccinated. Uh, oh, so, yeah, it's wrestling. You There's can't, enough people who are Because you, yeah. you can't go to Canada still if yeah, you're not vaccinated. That's true. So that very well could have played a part of it. Maybe Tony started doing a little bit of stock and realized that the. Uh, it was going to be Brian Cage versus uh, Chris Jericho or something like that. I was going like to say, that. yeah, no Jericho Appreciation Society over there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go into what you're anticipating uh, for the for the week ahead, my friend. What are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to seeing them continue this uh, Miro and House of Black kind of feud that's going on. 
you talked about, you know, Malachi and Sting. Malachi right now is making quite a bit of enemies. And yeah. I love I love Miro. It actually is unfortunate that I really want to see Malachi go for the title because that means I have to see Miro lose, uh, you know, most likely in this feud so that Malachi can kind of build himself up and everything. But really, I think whoever out of that feud wins should be getting a title shot. They're both yeah. they're both stars. I love Miro's promos. And I think that one thing that AEW has done really well since the beginning is when there's these guys that are, whether it's a perception thing or it's true, but perceived as not great talkers, put them in vignettes, let them be able to, you know, tape things as many times as they need to, to get it out there. Because honestly, Miro seems like an incredible speaker to me in terms of like his promo ability, but I have no idea. Maybe he takes, maybe it takes 10 times. Maybe it takes it one time. I love his vignettes have since he's been, you know, kind of doing this, uh, gimmick after he left that gamer gimmick behind, thank God. And um, just kind of looking forward, it's kind of funny to think that both Miro and Malachi specialize in those backstage vignettes rather than standing out in front of the crowd. Alrighty. Well, I'm looking forward to the Ring of Honor pay-per-view this Saturday. I think it's going to be a great card. I think it's going to be uh, similar to like a NXT show back in the back in its prime. There's what, five matches announced on the main card or six matches announced in the main card. We have Claudio and Jonathan Gresham, a little bit cold, but whatever. Claudio is probably going to have a great showing there. Then you have Jay and Samoa Joe, uh, Mercedes and Serena D, which I think is going to be very good and underrated. Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Yuta. And then, of course, you have the uh, two out of three falls stipulation for FTR and the Briscoes. I think that'll be a really good show. So I'm excited for that. We'll see what else get announced. I'm assuming that they're going to do uh, to catch the match. Then they'll do a Tony Blanchard promotions, whatever the fuck his gimmick stable is called. Uh, those, you know, they have like a three or a trios match with someone. Uh, maybe you feed Dante Martin to him or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that pay-per-view. I think it's going to be really good and we'll order it just to make Sean feel good. He can watch it when he wakes up on Sunday. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm bummed that I'll be missing watching it with you boys, but uh, I've got I've got uh, places to be and wineries to see in Traverse City for my birthday. So we'll be you, uh, you in your real life. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I think that that's going to be a good show. I I will say FTR versus Briscoes. I really wish they would have built it a little bit different this time. You know, it feels like the first time you can get away with building it as just this dream match where they never even come face to face really before the show. And I know that they just had some like video thing that they did where they were in the same room together and doing an interview. But ultimately I I wish that they would have given us some sort of a tie in to the show have them come on dynamite. It, it just seems weird to do it this way. Um, But that match will be great. And I just hope that it's not as good as the one that we got to see live because I I, uh, I loved being there live. And, you know, I was just complaining about pay-per-views and, and everything like that. One thing that's exciting is if Ring of Honor does start touring again and does become something, Detroit was a was a usual spot for Ring yeah. of Honor. So we could definitely get to see some good wrestling here a little bit more often uh, and not maybe not have to go see uh, Hoodfoot get stabbed in the arm <laughs> uh, like how it happened at uh, GCW a few weeks ago. Yeah. Good Lord. I don't need to go see that. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward. I think it's going to be one hell of a show and hopefully we get to see. Um, it's like another way of getting more pay-per-views on the schedule. I guess I kind of see it as yeah. now $40. I don't know if that's going to sell. Um, it's a steep asking price, 
uh, especially with them not having big names and not having an, I don't know that, that I don't know if their buy rate's going to do anything impressive, but I could be surprised. You never know. Yeah. Did you see the the stuff about honor club? No at all. So honor club, that's their streaming platform. Mm-hmm. So if you have a current membership as of July 16th, they're going to extend your honor club membership at no, for no cost. Uh, oh, okay. So you can view this, you know, this next pay-per-view, which that'd be really weird to me if somebody was still paying for honor club over the last few months, but regardless, um, so you can, you could get it extended at no cost, but then they're actually going to be refreshing the honor club platform and re-debuting it in the fall. Oh, okay. So with that, maybe that's the, the magical streaming service that we've been, you know, talking about for so long for AEW Maybe it's Honor Club, or maybe Honor Club is transitioning to, I don't know, HBO Max, maybe? Let me oh, just God. put that out there in case I just so. want to be right. Just make me fucking right once, please. <laughs> I hope that's the case. Because uh, it'll be nice to be able to watch like old episodes of Dynamite even. And there's so much of Ring of Honor that I missed of like in the Tyler Black era, Adam Cole era. I missed all that. So it'd be really fun to watch some of these like lost eras of shows. And I'm yeah. sure there's so much great shit and classic matches. I never saw Joe and punk either. I uh, only saw highlights of it. So that'll be fun to watch too. Yeah. I think there, I mean, there was like Joe and like Kenta Kabashi in like 2006. Yeah. Like there's some good stuff. I think there was like a Matt Taven and Kenny King too. That'll be great. Well, yeah. I mean, like, once your again, your face paying, just totally just fell. <laughs> I was I was gonna try to like lie and say that that's like that'll really help cheer Sean up, you know, if he can see that. But <laughs> uh, oh boy, okay. So speaking of uh, interesting habits and interesting likings, so you uh, went on this trip a couple days ago. We typically don't post non wrestling adjacent content on wrestlinglatest.com, but we did with your trip. Uh, it was called Gator Boy. So Alex you have an interesting fascination with alligators. So tell everyone who hasn't read the article yet, how did that start? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't fully know. I think there it, it's, I mean, it partially started with television. So yeah. the person that I went down to Florida to, uh, to participate in this swimming with alligators event, uh, he was on a TV show called the Gator boys back in probably 2012, 2013 ish uh, on animal planet where essentially his, his name's Chris Gillette and him and the kind of main character on the show or main person on the show, Paul Bedard, they literally have dedicated their lives to rescuing nuisance alligators. So a nuisance alligator is any alligator that is over four feet. Uh, and, and then somebody calls the police or calls the Florida Gaming and Wildlife Commission to let them know that they are feeling threatened by it. So literally all I have to do is walk by an alligator, call the call Florida wildlife and gaming hmm. and say, Hey, um, this, you know, the, I just saw an alligator. I felt threatened. They're then immediately deemed a nuisance. Uh, and then it goes to a trapper to collect them. So, uh, the unfortunate part about that, most trappers will kill the alligator because there's two options. You either kill it or you, uh, have to put it in essentially a sanctuary or you have to, ho- you have to home it. So alligators have a great rehoming ability. So if you were to drive an alligator, a hundred miles uh, in any direction and drop it off, it would find its way back to where you picked it up. Jeez. And so that's why you have to either, you know, kill them or 
uh, and kind of put them in, in some sort of like a, an exhibit. And uh, Chris, Paul, and a few others are some of the few trappers that don't kill the animals because when you kill them, you could then sell their their hide and then their meat. So um, he had a uh, he has a specific alligator that he's been working with for over ten years. His name's Casper, and uh, for for a couple hundred dollars, you can jump in the water with him, swim with him. There is a net between you, unfortunately, uh, but unfortunately, still, yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, but it is a thought. <laughs> but it is a it is a great experience, and one of those things where it kind of just reminds you, like, not to get too deep or, or sound like uh, I'm super high, but uh, it kind of makes you realize like how much out there there is in the world besides yourself and besides humans. I mean, this is it's it's a. I mean, it feels like an insult to say this, but it's a modern day dinosaur, and uh, just kind of getting to observe it up close in its own kind of not its own normal habitat, but essentially it is. It's a, it's a pool with water. Uh, very cool experience. He's very photogenic. Uh, and uh, Chris did a great job of hitting angles so that I looked good too, uh, which was <laughs> great timing because I had just come out with that Zack Sabre Jr. article. So uh, absolutely one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, I made a joke when I posted the article on Facebook and said, this is the last like content I'll put out about this. Uh, unless we're in person, because I probably won't shut up about this ever. Um, and also just wanted to say Chris read the article that I posted and was was really grateful for yeah, it was cool. um, what we had to say and, and was, you know, kind of hopes that I can bring some more people down there, which I'm hoping to. So Wrestling Elitist uh, 2023, we're going down there and I uh, can't wait for it. You know what? I won't be able to do that because I'm expecting just gonna announce wow. it on the show. Wow! Yeah. Won't be able to do it because I'm going to be well, a dad by that, that time. You yeah. will be a father. So, well, first of all, congratulations! I'm glad I don't have to worry about accidentally saying it now on the podcast because yeah. <laughs> uh, a, couple, a couple of weeks ago I said something that I was like, "Hey, do you want me to cut that?" <laughs> uh, so, congratulations, Chris. We cannot wait to meet the next uh, the next generation of wrestling elitist. And we'll find out next week what gender the baby will be. So we'll find wow, out. Talk about a cliffhanger. Exactly. Um, I Okay. I know we're talking about my stuff with the baby. I, I do want to go back to the gator comment you just met, though. This is great. You said, like, unfortunately. So you would have yeah. wanted to swim with knowing you wanted it totally free and open. And you and Casper just kind of hang out. Yeah. So actually, he used to do that. And everyone makes a joke like, oh, why'd they stop? So uh florida wildlife and gaming commission actually uh found out what he was doing well and rightly and, so i mean i could see well, them but going here's like here, well what's funny is it depends on who you're who your like assigned agent is so for chris's assigned agent he actually was gonna he was gonna charge chris with a felony uh for a public endangerment um meanwhile just a couple counties over gatorland is allowed to have little children in uh, in a cage, like they could literally go into the in a like, cage, not in a cage, but like in a, like a, a habitat or exhibit with 20 gators all out of the water and with like, you know, like it's that's crazy what they're allowed to get. Yeah. Them. Okay. Yeah. It all, it literally just depends on who the person is. That's, you know, it's like having a health inspector. So this yeah. person was like, Nope, you can't do this. That net essentially makes it so that you're not in the same uh, body of water. Okay. It's like you're in two separate containers. I don't, that's not the right word, but, uh, yeah, so that's why, but actually I was talking to Chris about it. Cause I was like, you know, how much 
do I hate that I missed that? I was because I was like, I wanted to do this back then, but just never worked out. And he actually said that the experience now is actually better because he used to make you stay about six feet away from the alligator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, you know, because just for, you know, safety and everything like that. And with the net, I was at any given point, maybe a foot away from him. Okay. So, and, and the net obviously has some give, so he could kind of bump into the net and kind of come like really close to you. But uh, yeah, so I, while it would have been cooler from like the aspect to like truly say I was in the water with one and, and everything like that, it ultimately, I think it sounds like it was a better experience. Also back when it used to be free swimming and there was no net, there was up to 15 other alligators in that pool at a time. This time for me, there was only about four or five. So, which they just don't care. They, they do not care that you're there. It's truly incredible. That was going to be my last question. So like, I'm, I'm afraid of all animals. Um, (laughs) Typically anything that's not a dog or cat, I'm a little bit freaked out by. So the idea of me being even near an alligator, I would just assume it's going to bite me and kill me. But you mentioned your article that like, unless you're really being an instigator or just ignorant or stupid or whatever, they're not going to mess with you. Yeah. And like the, just to say, because there's obviously a story that's come out and I've had like four or five people send it to me and uh, call out my (laughs) comment that I I like to refer to alligators as water cats, uh, as a, as a cat owner. Um, (laughs) you know, the way that it's explained is essentially a lot of times when they do, which there's only been 24 attacks since 1980, um, in, in Florida alligators. Um, and, uh, but essentially what's happening is, you know, an alligator, the way that their eyesight is like, if they're swimming on the surface and they see a person's head, they think that you're just that small. Uh, they don't realize that you're a person, like they don't actually want to mess with people. They, they're kind of more scared of us than, you know, that whole cliche. Um, and they typically won't bother you if they see your whole size. Majority of alligator attacks are either like, you know, they just see your head and they like, but then they like, they kind of like, once they realize what they're messing with, they'll kind of leave you alone, but they've probably done some damage at that point. You're, you're doing something to bother them. Or the third is, you know, they will grab somebody's dog, you know, and you're on a walk or something like that. And in those cases, people will, you know, try to save their dog. And unfortunately then the alligator will kind of attack back, but then it goes back to the dog. Like it's, they're not, they're definitely still dangerous. I would never, if I lived in Florida, I wouldn't swim in open bodies of water Mm -hmm. because you're just kind of asking for something. But I also don't, I want to swim in an ocean because I don't want to swim near sharks. So um, they're definitely, you know, still a dangerous animal, but they're not a like ruthless killing machine. Yeah. uh, Quite like what kind of, you know, you have in your mind. And I'll even say like, as much as I'm somebody who loves alligators and has been educated on this stuff for so many years, because I watch every video of Chris, poor Chris Moore on this podcast. If you ever go on our Instagram and that gives you a suggested video, it's probably an alligator related one because I watch all of his stuff. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, I've watched so much of that. And even then, like, as I was signing up for this, I was still nervous for a minute. And then I was like, okay, no, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then once I got there, I wasn't nearly as nervous as I expected to be. Uh, And then also getting to hear, like, hear it all in person. And you kind of, it all makes sense the way that it's explained to you. And uh, I'll just say that, like, it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, and I know that, you know, the money that I, that I paid, you know, it goes to, uh, you know, the, the Everglades outpost, they're a nonprofit, you know, it costs them a lot of money to house some of the, they've also got bear bears that have been wild caught 
tigers, you know, animals that were rescued because people will take these on as pets or, or whatnot, and then they don't know what to do with them. Um, so it, it's a really cool experience and, it, and it's kind of cool that not only like, did I get to experience that, but also the money went to helping go back into those animals, you know, in terms of feeding them, housing them, things like that. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, for another plug with them as well. I mean, if you look at the article on wrestlinglatest.com, at the end of Alex's article, there's a bunch of links on how you can learn more about um, alligator sanctuaries and just some of the charities and links and uh, information to Chris's site itself. And if you want to go and be brave and do that with Alex, you have someone who'd be more than willing to do it with you in the future. Um, so connect with Alex and you can connect with all of us at wrestling elitist, uh, dot com on our website. You can follow us at wrestling latest on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Please support the show by giving us a five star review. Uh, spread the show with any of your fans or friends in the wrestling internet community. And next week, our good friend Sean is going to be back and healthy and ready to regale us with. Uh, I don't know. I was I was going to say stories of what it was like to be on COVID, but you just fucking sleep. It's not like there's anything to tell us. So, but we're looking forward to having Sean back. We miss him and uh, wish you the best of luck, Alex. Have a good birthday. I will Thank have you. either a boy or a girl. I'll find out in just a matter of days. And then we have a Ring of Honor pay-per-view to look forward to on Saturday. So a lot of good shit on the way. Thank you for supporting us. We appreciate it. Thank you for being patient with us as we had a technical snafu. Rick Rude, send us home. Hit the music.